us know how much you love us. Let our hearts be filled with the story of Elijah, how you met him on the mountain, and how you met him in the cave. Lord, as we study this prophet of yours, help us to remember you feel the same way about us. How much you love us that you gave us your dear son. For we pray in his name, amen. Well, church family, what a great Sabbath. First thing we have to do is a little bit of church business. So if you are a teacher or a student or someone who works for the school system, we need you right up here. Now don't be shy. Just stand on up, walk on up here. It's a blessing, y'all. It's your church. We want to pray for you. We want you to have a great school year. And a retired teacher that I am, I always look forward to this every year. So now I get to do it as the person doing the prayer. So I can't think of anything better than that. But all of you, please come forward. Waiting on some kids. Y'all come on up here. Oh, look at this. Are we not blessed? Oh, my goodness. We are so... Wow. You know I put this on Facebook all the time. I love my church. This is true. So today, each of you standing here, I want you to know that you have been commissioned by the Lord. For students, you are commissioned to get wisdom. For teachers, you are commissioned to impart wisdom and have some strength. <laughs> I remember what it took. Okay, so today when I pray for you, just know that I'm praying for each one of you this year. And if any time during this year you need someone to pray for you, you just text me, call me, grab me after church, and I'll be there for you. All right, let's pray. Dear kind Heavenly Father, please bless these beautiful members of ours. We know the school year is about to start, and you are the God of all knowledge. We ask you to bless each person here. Make their year beautiful. Make it be one of you and you and you. You learning and teaching and blessing them in every single way. So pour out your Holy Spirit to them, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, that was just so fun. Okay, so now the next fun thing is that Julian, not Justin, y'all, it's Julian, has so willingly said that he would co-preach with me the story of Elijah. But before we start, we'd like to claim a promise in Psalms. So when each person is seated, we will bow our heads in prayer, and we're going to claim Psalms 19:14. And this is what it says. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. Okay. Got to put the glasses on. He's got the small type over there. I have contacts on. So 
Okay, all right, that helps. Okay, so today, the title of this sermon is, Where is Your Faith? Mountaintop or Cave? And I'm going to tell you that I'm hoping that each one of you who is sitting here today or listening online gets the same blessing I did in reading this Old Testament story. We're only going to uh, tip the iceberg of the study of the life of Elijah. So if you really want to study a great story in the Bible, go to 1 Kings and starts in um, uh, 17, I think, 1 Kings 14 or 17. We'll look at it in a minute. But I want to tell you about something. Just like, just like Autumn was talking about the homeless, I want to tell you an experience I had two Fridays ago when we were feeding those less fortunate. Okay? Many of them are homeless. But they're still children of God. And we're standing there. And when we have a lot of volunteers, um, I get to walk around and kind of meet people. And um, Olga got us all started on this. And it was, it's been a blessing in my life. That's all I can tell you. It's an amazing blessing, all right, to go out there and be with those people and talk to them. So what I do when there are a lot of volunteers, because there's Carlos and Maria and there's Autumn and there's, there's just all kinds of people who show up. And it's, it's so cool. Anyway, when a lot of people show up, and I can just be my little verbal self, I run around, and I talk to people. And I try to get to know them because I think that's important, that they know that we think they're significant, right? So I went up to one young man, and I said, um, Hi, um, what's your name? He said, Elijah. Y'all, I've been writing a sermon, and there... There's Elijah right there. And so I went, wow, Elijah, did you grow up churched? He said, yes, ma'am. I said, well, what's the most significant thing that you know about your namesake? He said, he never died. He rode up to heaven on a chariot. Now, y'all hadn't gotten that far in the study of Elijah. I mean, I remembered that, but... It reminded me that, yes, it is possible that some of us are not going to die. And I said to him, is this your wish, Elijah? He said, yeah, it is. And I said to him, come, Lord Jesus, come. And so now Elijah and I talk every time he comes to get a breakfast and I think maybe Elijah might get to see the Lord. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping he gets to see him and maybe he can go up in a chariot. Wouldn't that be cool? All the people named Elijah get to go on a chariot. So let's start looking at this. Because sometimes as Christ followers, we ask, why do we study these stories from the Old Testament? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Oh, yeah, well, I've had friends say, oh, the Old Testament's old. You don't need to study that. Oh, I disagree. Because right here, we have a prophet. And this is what it says in James 5, 17. Elijah was a man just like us. 
He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Wow. Even Jesus' brother mentioned him in his letter to the Jewish Christians of his time. Elijah's story is significant to us today as his life reflects the struggles we each have as followers of God. His struggles are just like what we have today. Far removed for, from any city of renown, in other words, he could have come from Kernersville, and occupying no high station in life, Elijah the Tishbite nevertheless entered upon his mission, confident in God's purpose to prepare the way for him and to give him success. He did not seek to be God's messenger. The word of the Lord came to him. So let's take a look at the beginning of the recording of Elijah's life. We're going to look at 1 Kings 17, 1 through 6. And it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to King Arab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him to do. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, a lot of things come to mind when I read this. I mean, first, the man is getting food from birds. Very interesting. Also, how did he know that God wanted him to go speak to King Ahab? And how did he even get that close to the king? I mean, the king seems like a scary person. If we study the history of King Ahab and his fathers, we discover that they're the ones that brought the people of Israel away from God and over to the worship of the God called Baal. Now, Elijah, as Ms. Kostin, Ms. Kostin has mentioned, was just a regular person just like us. And he did not want to bow down to the God of Baal. No, instead, he prayed fervently to God and asked God what should he do because of this horrible apostasy. And I've learned through studying Elijah that if you ask God for something, you better be ready to do something that you may not expect. I am amazed at the angels covering him to stand in front of this very evil king and then helped him to disappear before the king could react. Sounds like something out of a movie with special effects. Do we expect these kind of miracles today? Getting fed by birds in the wilderness? That was pretty cool too. This was just the beginning of Elijah relying on God. Now back to the story. As these three years go by, the king has put a price on Elijah's head. Mm -hmm. And God keeps him hiding in unusual places. In fact, if you want to study about him and the widow and the oil and the flower, that is an amazing story in itself. All right. 
But then in the third year, we meet Obadiah. God tells Elijah to present himself to King Ahab. Wow. I don't know about you, but if somebody had a price on my head, I don't think I would have been able to go. I would have been terrified. And Elijah thinks he is all alone in this battle. Don't we all feel this way sometimes? We're alone in this battle against the devil. Let's read 1 Kings 18, 3 through 9. And Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. And while Jezebel, oh yeah, that wicked woman, was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water, probably right out of the king's palace, y'all. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and the mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in another. And that's very telling, y'all think about that as Obadiah was walking along Elijah met him Obadiah recognized him bowed down to the ground and said is it really you Lord Elijah yes he replied go tell your master Elijah is here what have I done wrong asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. How do you think Obadiah was feeling at this part? I imagine he was afraid. I mean, he, he knows there's a price on Elijah's head, and yet now Elijah's telling him to go to the very king who has this price and, and tell them where Elijah is? I mean, he's probably thinking, does Elijah not know that King Ahab is a crazy man? And yeah. he may just kill me just for even mentioning your name. Yeah. But this next part of the story is very important because this is where Elijah has his mountaintop experience. Let's read in Kings 8, 1 Kings 18, 16 through 21. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, the troublemaker of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Eli, Eli replied. Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the Baals. People from all over, wait, I'm sorry. Summon, now summon. Oh, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. Now bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So King Ahab listened, and he sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between the two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow the Lord. 
But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Elijah gave them a very simple choice. I'll read it again. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And again, the people said nothing. Brothers and sisters, are we like the Jews of the old? How are we standing up for the word of God? And how are we telling others to turn back to God for salvation? At this point in the story, which is quite long, if you guys want to read it, that's fine. But, you know, you should do it this afternoon. What happens is the 850 prophets of Baal and the other god camp can't get their altar to burn. Now, if you read the chapters about this, you will find out they spent an entire day cutting themselves, howling like wolves, trying to sneak little sparks in there. Yeah. All day. But at sunset, is that significant to some of us? Is sunset a significant thing to us with God? At the sunset of the day, what you need to know is that this is very significant. As Baal was known as the god of rain and the god of harvest, and they had had neither of these for three and a half years. Y'all, there was a famine in the land. And they need to know that the God of Judah was the God of the people. They needed to realize that their beautiful land, flowing rivers, and the dew of the morning did not come from Baal. God would not let Satan send even one little spark over during the long hours. The priests of Baal cut themselves and cried out to their God. Then finally, Elijah put up his hand and he said, enough. Have you ever felt about that around sin? Enough. And Elijah calls the people to watch him rebuild the altar stone by stone. And if you read the um, verses about it, it says they were in disarray. He had to go gather them, pull them together. Very significant about what was going with the people, on with the people then. They were scattered. All 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Judah. He places the sacrifice on top and asks for water to be poured all over it. Now, did you ever wonder where that water came from? That was the first thing that came to my mind. You know, inquiring minds want to know. Um, but the Lord always provides. And Elijah calls on the one true God, and wow, God scorches the whole altar and the water in the trenches, and the stones became dust. 
This was not a small little episode. In fact, if you read more of it historically, you will find out that the people were afraid to look at the altar because of the blue light coming from it. They thought they would be turned into ashes. Can you imagine how it felt to show God's people who to serve? What are some mountaintop experiences that you have had? How long did it take you or is it taking you to find the love of your life? Have you landed the best paying job in your career? Have you even found a career you're happy with? Do you have children or grandchildren? These are all human mountaintop experiences. So although Elijah had just had his mountaintop experience, there is a rest of the story. Yes, the rains do come, and Elijah runs in front of Ahab's chariot, and he has had his mountaintop experience with God, but what happens next is about a very scary and evil queen. Let's read 1 Kings 19, 1 through 3. Now Ahab told Jezebel, now King Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Elijah, I mean, so Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them, pretty much threatening the life of Elijah. So what did Elijah do? Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. Now that kind of baffles me. I mean, we, we just saw this man demand King Ahab to bring together all of his prophets, take them to the mountaintop, and then in front of everyone, used his faith to ask God to show his power and it worked he did all that and then with one simple I guess threat he runs away and is afraid for his life I mean aren't you a little bit surprised at this part of the story but I, but I think that this part of the story is actually here for, for you and I right because as Mrs. Costin mentioned earlier, Elijah is just like us. Elijah was just a regular human being. Sometimes, as regular human beings, we're going to flee to the cave. Sometimes we're going to cry out to God and just say, you know what, God, I'm finished. I don't think I can do this any longer. I'm all alone. I am afraid. Did you know that one in five U.S. adults have been diagnosed with depression? Nearly 20% of high school students report serious thoughts of suicide and 9% have attempted to take their life. Have you ever felt this way? I'm sure we all have. According to the World Health Organization, at least 800,000 people a year take their own life. And that averages out to one person every 40 seconds. One of, my, one of my favorite authors, Ellen, when she talks about this moment, she says, she questions, did God actually forsake Elijah 
in this hour of, of trials and tribulation? Oh no. He loved his servant no less. This message and story of Elijah is hope for all of us that are struggling with this battle against the devil today. And yet God always finds us at our lowest and whispers our name. Elijah was exhausted. Have you been there? Overwhelmed, worn out, feeling disconnected. He was in his faith cave. Let's read what God does for him in 1 Kings 19, 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? Is he asking that of you today, dear church family? What are you doing here in your dark cave? The world is such a dark place, and many of us have heard the Lord say this to us. What does the lesson of Elijah teach us? Let's read the end of this chapter of Elijah's story and see how God told him to look for him when you are in that dark cave spiritually. We're going to look at 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And this is a very, very popular, popular verse, but it's, it's very, very strong when you, when you really hear it. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said straight to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Are you listening to this just gentle whisper every day? Come out of your cave and listen. Let's pray. Dear kind Heavenly Father, we take your story of Elijah and we say thank you, Lord, for being there when we're in the cave. We love those mountaintop experiences, Lord, but when we're in the cave, we really need you. Thank you for this story to show us that depression has been one of the devil's tools for a very long time. Even your wonderful servant Elijah went through it. And so this week, we're going to listen. We're going to listen, Lord, for your soft voice. Please tell us where to go. And when you say to us, what are you doing here? Give us an answer, Lord. Tell us where to go. Help us to be like Samuel and say, Speak, 
Lord. Thy servant heareth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.